0: Okay, all right. Thank you to our team. Did a great job. Our band, Miss Jody. good job. We are going to have to deal with some of these issues that I think are facing us as believers, non-believers. Maybe here we understand. I think if we're honest that at times the bills, the finances, things pile up, things get messy, stress the chaos that comes with it. We're going to deal with all of that as we go through this series. I, I think that uh, not long ago, I was thinking about, we, we got to do this series, and I knew it would be important for our church, but then I saw a graph over over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to, to share with you that I think highlights the critical nature of what I want to talk to you about, why this series would be so important. This graph here um, is is pretty clear. Here, here's what it is. The, the blue line represents personal loans and personal lines of credit over the last, uh, well, you can see going back four or five years. But if you look at just the last year and a half, you see that blue line skyrocketing debt. Then look at the red line, that's savings, personal savings. That just in the last year and a half, that that split there you see of one rising and one dropping. You see the two red spikes there? Um, there's two red spikes. That, that was government stimulus. <laughs> That's what that was. We had it for a second. We were for a second, and, and it's gone. Folks, if you add in inflation, interest rate increases. Uh, I, I'm just telling you, there's a recipe for disaster if we're not careful. And so I just said, oh, you know what? I'm going to do my part as a pastor to maybe help us so that uh, we can get ourselves in right positioning, at least, uh, to try to, to get our financial situations in order. For you and I to make any progress in this area, it's going to require a mind shift uh, uh, from maybe the way that we have been doing things to, to something new. It's going to require you to maybe check the way that you've been doing things at the door, check check it at the door and say, I'm gonna be willing to be open. I, this is a challenge for any of us, especially those of us who call ourselves Christians because as Christians, we're called to live a certain way financially. Amen. And when we don't, you know, it, it, there's this sort of this battle that ensues, right? Like for me as a believer, here's how this goes. Uh, I have one side of me that says, I need to follow God's word. I need to honor God, build savings, uh, decrease debt. Deal with that. I need to. I I need to to leave a legacy with with people uh, coming to know Jesus, but also with my my family heritage for my children as well. Okay, God, I see your way. I got to do it that way. But there's this other side of me. It's almost like two voices. All right. So there's another side of me that says, "Take care of you." take care of what you want, take care of your needs, and, and go that route. For example, when I get, let's say, a government stimulus like you may have gotten or, or, or get a, a tax refund or just a regular paycheck, all right? there's a side of me that says, do it right, honor God, get it right. And there's another side of me that says, go buy some stuff. I don't know if it's a voice for you or it's just a crossroads every time, but like I deal with that. There's this thing that says, okay, as a believer, we're going to get it right, you know, and and I I can afford to get it right because I don't have the latest version of the iPhone, but I've got one that works. And so I don't need the new thing, all right? I I can stay with what I have. I've got a pretty, pretty good thing going on. And there's the other side that says, bro, you're like three models off the new model of iPhone. You need to go get the new one. I I just, I'm just telling you, like, I I wrestle with that, and maybe you do as well, I think. Again, as believers, we understand that there's this work taking place inside of you and inside of me that says, okay, I was living this unhealthy way, but now I need to move towards a right way of handling my finances and handling my resources. This is what the scriptures tell us in Philippians 2.13, Paul talks about this battle that, in, that, that we have to process and deal with. It, it says this. He said, for God is working in you. He's doing a work in you as a believer, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. Uh, he's saying that there's this battle that, that takes place. And, 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 it, and it's like this in, in any area of your life. It, you say yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, and dwells inside of you. You have you know, this Holy Spirit now revealing to you how to live differently than maybe you used to. And that plays out in your marriage. That plays out in your relationships, That plays out in, you know, things that you used to do, poor decisions, and now you want to start living for God, and it plays out in your finances as well. This battle of, I used to do it this way, but now God is doing the work inside of me to now operate this way. We have to deal with the fact that, you know, God has this promise for the way that we live that's better, That's healthier. If we just follow God in the way of our finances, what is God's promise to us? We're gonna be more joyful, we'll be more content. uh, Stress will decrease. uh, Anxiety will decrease. Chaos over finances in your marriage will decrease. That's a good plan. Versus, all right, this other side of stress, anxiety, chaos. Don't get me wrong. When the enemy uh, presents anything to you in your life, it's always shiny and pretty on the surface, but it leaves you empty in the long run. That's the way, that's the, way the enemy reveals himself all the time. Look, look, you'll feel better. Just, just try it, just do it, just be a part. You'll feel better, but then there's the long run, right? Just buy it, but now 10 years at 25% interest, it's not as sexy as it was at the beginning, you know? And God says, no, no, now, let God do a work in you. Let, let's push away from that way, And and, and let's start following a plan that God has, and it's the one that leaves you more fulfilled. That battle, Proverbs 27, 20 says this, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. There's a battle in the flesh. My flesh says, go get more, go buy more, go get more. That battle there, God says, no, this is a better way of living. And this was important. This was important. You look Old Testament, you look New Testament. And we, we love to hear what Jesus has to say. Did you know 11 out of 39 parables that Jesus spoke dealt with money or possessions? Uh, I'm not great at math, but I think 11 out of 39 is slightly more than 25%. He, 25% of the time Jesus... In fact... Uh, the two, the two biggest topics that Jesus talked about, I don't think most people realize this, are hell and money. And what are the two topics we really don't want to come to church and hear about? Hell and money. But yet, Jesus spoke about them a lot because they have huge consequences, right? If you don't recognize that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sin so that you could be forgiven of your sin, you're going to spend eternity apart from God. And so Jesus is reminding people, hey, that's a big deal, hell's a big deal, but also, hey, you can live on this earth, and if you don't get your money right, you'll live miserably here on this earth. I think Jesus understood there was a great implication, so he did speak about it a lot. Now realize it's not easy to talk about, but you better pay attention, we got to... Got to see how this can be very messy. In fact, let's deal with some truths about money. I put in your notes. If you're taking notes, I, we gave you some notes when you came in. I hope you'll take uh, some notes and follow along uh, with me. And here's the first thing uh, that I put in your notes. And number one, we got to remember that money is indeed personal, and I think that's why it is so hard to talk about in a setting like this. Well, you, well, you don't want to. We don't want to talk about it. You know why? Because it's 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 personal. In fact. I'll just say this, if you're struggling in your finances, you don't never want to talk about it. You'll say, I don't want to hear about money at church. The fact is, sir, ma'am, you don't never want to talk about it because it's messy, right? Because there's nobody in the audience who's deeply in debt who, if I say to you right now, turn to your neighbor right now and tell them how much in debt you are. Give them the dollars. Give them the number right now. Nobody wants to do that. Hey, bro, that's personal. We're not talking about that. Just like share with your neighbor what's in your bank account right now. Whoa, whoa. That's personal. We don't want to talk about... It. Now, if you've noticed on social media in our culture today, people will share a lot on social media. Have you noticed? They'll just vomit about their life right there for everybody to see. But we still withhold when we're... We, but now, now, I don't want to tell you I'm in bankruptcy. No, no. I, I don't want to share with you my, my debt load right now. Not that. It is a still, to this day... It's personal, and I recognize that. Here's the second truth I want to share with you about money. we got to recognize that money is powerful. It is, it, it is powerful, and it can change your behavior. All right, look, uh, American political philosopher Philip Green, he defines power as this. Listen, the ability to modify how others behave. I think that's a great definition of power. Something powerful will change your behavior. To prove it, if I said to you, uh, "Look, after service, if you'll see me under the blue awning outside over here, and you'll just tell me that that was the best sermon you ever heard, I'll give you a thousand dollars." Like if I said that, some of you were never planning on telling me this was a great sermon. All of a sudden, <laughs> hey, it's a great sermon. It's a great. Sermon. Why? Because you, you get get a thousand bucks. It will change. Your behavior. And I think for some people in this room, you you have to see that it has changed your behavior. Money and the power that it can have potentially has caused you to do some things that maybe a long time ago you would have thought you would never do. You'd never be in this much debt or you'd never have this much chaos. You'd never be going through what you, and, and you got there because that power that money can have got you kind of the wrong way. And then here's the third thing. Because money has power, we know this money is potential. Money is neutral in, in what it is. Like in general, money is, is neutral. It can have potential and it can have power, but it's neutral. If I take, let's say, a $100 bill and I put it on this table here, I can't look at the money and say, hey, money, you're bad, bad, bad money. (laughs) Well, he hasn't done anything. It's neutral. It's just sitting there. I also can't look at it and go, you're good. You're good, money. No, money is neutral, but it has potential. How you view it, how you let it control you, how you see what it's for uh, can be used in a good way or how it can be used in a bad way, right? You you and I determine the potential of what money can do. You've heard people say, money just spends itself. No, it don't. (laughs) You do. You spend it. And how you spend it, what you spend it on, is a big part of its potential for your life. And as Christians, there's a lot at stake when we understand money because... When we understand money, like not only is God doing the work in our lives and we're getting this right, and people see what God's doing in our lives through our finances, we start taking those resources and affecting other people, growing the kingdom of God through through our own finances, seeing others get invited to church, see church exist, people coming to know Jesus Christ. And I get to be a part of that when I have my own finances in order. And so God calls the Christians, hey, get this right. As a matter of fact, Paul in the scriptures uh, had this guy, he was raising up for ministry. His name was Timothy. Maybe you've heard of him. And, And Paul had spent some time with him, and he's giving Timothy these warnings. Hey, man of God, look, uh, you want to do great things, but I want to warn you about some things. And he warns him about a lot of things, but I want to tell you about the first two things that he spends time warning him about because they're really important. The first thing he says is, hey, man of God, watch out for false teachers, liars about the gospel. Watch out for them. And then second, the very next thing that he says is a big deal. He says, watch out for how you handle money because it will mess you up. You might have great intention to do something great for God, but money will get you off track in, in your life. Here's what it says in 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He's warning Timothy. You, you've probably heard people say uh, money is the root of all kinds of evil, and that came from the Bible, but actually the Bible didn't say that. It actually says what the love of money, so the potential that money has, if you use it wrongly, all right, it can do evil things. This is actually what it says. Some people eager for money, Paul says to Timothy, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Welcome to Christianity 2022. I want to do something great for God, but I've pierced myself with so many griefs financially I cannot. Right when the buckets pass at the end of service, or I talk about giving, or we're having an offering for something big or special, where we're trying to reach our community for the message of Jesus Christ, I really don't believe that there's any Christian that is excited when they cannot support that. I think at the heart, really, when you peel it back, every Christian goes, I want to be a part of that, oh my goodness. And I think when they can't, it, it does bother them. And Timothy is getting this word from Paul saying, If you're not careful, Christians, it's not just for this guy being raised up, man of God. It's Christians in general. If you're not careful, you will want to do something great with your money, but you will mess it up and you won't be able to. And that's the state for a lot of Christians today. This is indeed a heart issue, right? Materialism and greed is a heart issue. Not being able to honor God financially is a heart issue. Having piles of debt is a heart issue it's really not about these steps that we can take. It goes beyond that. In this series, I'm gonna give you some important steps from God's word. And God's word is rich with financial advice. Like, there are people that write books. They get paid to give financial advice. There are seminars you can go to, guys you can hire to help you manage your finances, get them in order. Did you know they all get their wisdom from the word of God? Did you know that? Building a savings, that's from God's word. Being out of debt—that's out of God's word. Leaving a legacy, a heritage for your children—that's in God's word. Honoring God, of course, financially and being charitable, or anyways—that's in God's word. So long before anybody ever had this stuff that you can pay them to help you, you know, get your finances in order—it's for free. It's there. Now, I'm going to give you these tips, and but if your heart is not in it, if you don't want your heart to be radically transformed over your finances th- this is not going to help you it's a hard issue if I was to give you advice on your marriage and I sat you down husband and wife and I said here's five six things you can do and one of the two or both heart wasn't in it you could forget it right you know that same thing is true when it comes to your finances. And Jesus was clear about this, that it's a condition of the heart. No one can serve, this is what it says in Matthew 6, 24, right out of Jesus' mouth. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Jesus is saying, God cannot be first place in your life if money is first place. God can't be your top priority in life if money, possessions, acquiring more debt, paying off, if that's number one thing you're dealing with in your life. It's a heart issue, and it's why, if you really care what your pastor teaches, that you would care that I would address this issue. Because as a pastor, my job is to teach you about things on the inside, the heart, because that's what God sees the most, that's what he's more concerned about, and you should want your pastor to deal with this. It is a big deal. All right, so here's what I want to share with you, just some helpers to get our our series off the ground. If you want to start releasing financial straps in your life, and and I'm going to speak really to Christians because we're the Christians and the ones that are struggling with this really because a non-Christian, if you're here today, you're not a believer in Christ, you're not going to get some of this. Like some of it's just, you know, you're not a believer. And so you don't get what God's word is revealing because you don't embrace God's word. And uh, I hope you'll pay attention because, again, it can help you. But I I want to speak specifically today to the Christians. We're the ones that God is calling us to make a difference and live differently with our finances. Here's the first thing. Stop denying that you have a problem. Stop denying you have a problem. Of the first, first step of really... Uh, Getting over any struggle you're dealing with in your life is this admittance phase. So I think some of you could recognize that that's important. But at some point in the series, you got to say, you know what? I do want to talk about it. My money's a mess. We're in debt up to our eyeballs. We're stressed in our home over finances. We work day and night just to pay the bills. I can't honor God financially. If I if I'm able to do something at church for the work of the work of the church and the work of the kingdom of God, I'll throw a buck in here or there or a few, whatever, as I have a little bit here and there, but in the end, I really can't do what God's called me to do. You just come to that place of admitting. You say, no, I, I, yeah, I came to church and, and we did deal with some hard issues, that I, some difficult issues that I needed to deal with. It, it is interesting when you consider people not wanting to hear about money at church. Have you noticed? <laughs> Those same people, when they're in a financial bind, will go home and snuggle up to God and say, God, I need money. <laughs> Give me the Powerball, like, right now. People will snuggle up to God in a moment when they need him about money. But then when the, really the time comes to, like, let's revamp this whole thing and really start getting it right, now we don't want anything. To do with God, so let's admit, God, we, we need you. There, there's an issue. I, I love what it says in Ezekiel fourteen, uh, chapter one. It'll say it, it has this this time where it's talking about uh, this the, these elders that are coming before a prophet. You think about elders. Here's what just just think of it like this: a group of people coming before God, coming before the prophet and before God, saying, "We live for God. God, you are first place in our lives." And now picture the prophet as like a preacher. All right, just put it like that. These elders come before the prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel's gonna give them a word from God. And here's what it says. Some of the elders of Israel came to me, Ezekiel says, and sat down in front of me. All right, so these people who said that they love God, they're they're following God, came down and sat in front of the preacher. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel says, that God's revealing to him to say this to the people. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts, these so-called righteous people, and they put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. So right away, God is saying, hey, here's what I want you to tell the people. They say that they love God, but they've got idols first and foremost in their life. What is an idol? I put that actually in your notes if you want to write it down. An idol is anyone or anything that we love more than Jesus. Anyone or anything that we love more than Jesus. He's saying these people, they they have idols. So he goes on, he he says, speak this, he's saying, share this with them. Should I let them inquire of me at all, God says? Therefore speak to them and tell them this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any Israelite sets up idols in their heart, and puts a wicked stumbling block before his own face, before their face, and then goes to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him myself in keeping with his great idolatry. God says, when they start hearing from me, I'm going to speak to them about that which they are struggling with. I'll I'll elaborate on that here just a little bit more. It says this, I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel, who have all deserted me for their idols. What he's saying is it's like this. Have you ever heard somebody go to church and say, I feel like the pastor only talks about blank. When you say that, you don't know this, but you're indicting yourself. Because what God is saying here in this text is, anytime you hear this stuff from God, he's going to reveal to you your idol every time. So if you think you go to church maybe you say, man, I went to church, Pastor Gary, he's he's always talking about addictions, let's say. Well, you're hearing a return of God's word through the lens of which you struggle. That's what God is saying he's going to do. And so you're going to think that the message was all about addictions, even though it wasn't, because you struggle with this in your life. You struggle with anger. Pastors always talk about men being angry or people being angry. You know, you're hearing it through the lens or the filter of what your idol or your problems are. Pastors always talking about money. You're indicting yourself because what you're saying is it's coming to you in the form of what your idol is. So we admit, we have to admit, hey, this is a problem for me. Here's the next thing. Uh, We've got to release the pride, Folks, anytime you're messing up our money, anytime we can't honor God financially, it's a portrait of pride, whether you admit it or not. Because again, nobody runs around going, I'm prideful, I'm prideful, but it, it's evident in the way that we handle our money. What makes right positioning in this series is going to be when you come to the conclusion that everything you have. And every bit of finances that comes into your path came not from you but from God. Most Christians operate in the realm, even though they know what the word says, let's say, they operate in such a way that the way their actions go out with their money, that, it's, that they did it all. Maybe you say, well, I know I did it because I know I got these amazing skills to earn the money that I have. Well, God gave you the skills. So God gives you the skills to earn the money that you have and then you're blessed with whatever money you have that came from God. And when you flip the script and you say, no, no, I didn't do that. God did that. Now what you realize is that God's the one putting resources in front of you and now what you realize is that he's trusting you to manage it. And that he, it's a big deal to him when you manage it right and it's a big deal when you don't get it right. That's why Jesus talked about this so much. Pride. Pride. Flipping the script says, God, you're the owner of it all, you are the provider of it all, and I am just given the opportunity to manage it when it's put in front of me. In James 1 and 17, it says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. We have an adversary, we have a spiritual enemy that brings evil into this world, that Causes us to make poor decisions in our life. But God is the author of goodness. And God is the author of provision. And he's the one that's putting provision into your life. And when you understand that I might have a $100 bill, but but I, that came into my possession, but but that came from God. When you get that, you can start making some radical changes in your finances. And look, I realize that maybe for some of you, the thought of making financial changes is a really big and difficult scenario put in front of you. Did you know anytime we ask you to really make some difficult decisions and how you change anything in your life, we're always coming alongside you as a church with an opportunity to to just be helped more intently, more more focused, uh, intense focus on that help. We have something we're offering next month that I would love to invite you to. It's free. It's our one-day Financial Peace University seminar that's going to take place right here at the church on December the 4th. At 1230, we'll have a two-hour gathering. And again, it's free. And be here, be a part of it. We'll give you an overview of what financial peace looks like. We have many people in our church who have gone through this journey and are changing the way they operate financially. And it's producing big results in their life. Now... In January of next year, we're going to do the full-on Financial Peace University training, which is a -a once-a-week gathering, and it happens for multiple weeks over a few months. And that's where we see the deep transformation. But if you'd like an overview to see what it's about and get some tips, you know, from some of our experts who've done this right, uh, we we will share that with you and be a part of this free gathering. I hope... If you're interested, you'll be a part of that. And As a matter of fact, I'm going to put you on a list of people that are interested. If you'll write FPU on the back of your Connect card, FPU, not F-U, F-P-U on the back of your <laughs> Connect card, all right, and circle it, all right, drop it in the buckets um, when they pass. You know, at the end of our time together, buckets are going to pass. Drop those in the buckets and tell us you're interested. Then what we'll do is put you on a list, get you information, keep you reminded about that event that is coming up on December the 4th. I will say this about FPU. Many times, a married couple will be interested in this, but one of the two spouses won't come. And this is not going to produce good results. And so I want to say if you're married, this would be something you'd come to with your husband and, husband and wife together. Because what often happens is, many times, it's just the woman, and she comes because she wants to see this change in the home, and she's excited, and she gets information, and she's like, baby, if we do this, 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 and she comes home, and he goes, ain't happening, ain't happening. And so it takes two, if you're married, to get this right, and so I want to encourage you both to be a part of that. Here's the next thing. See the problem with my envy. Just like pride, I don't think anybody's running around going, yes, I'm envious, I'm so envious. But in our actions, we are oftentimes envious. What is envy? Well, first of all, envy is a poison spiritually and emotionally. Because what envy causes you to do is to want what other people have and to go get it. So your neighbor, you know, has nicer things in their home, and you say... I want nicer things in my home. Even if you can't afford it, you're going to figure out how to get it. Envy says, look at the car they got. I want that or better, even though I can't necessarily afford it. Uh, you know what? I, they got, you know, the, the new model of the iPhone, so I got to get the new model of the iPhone. Envy then affects us spiritually and emotionally, right? Because, well, emotionally, now you're buying things you can't afford to impress people that really don't like you, and you're going into debt, and that affects stress, anxiety, chaos. Maybe if you're married, it brings brokenness into the marriage over money, and so now that's an emotional brokenness, and then, of course, you're in debt, so spiritually, you can't honor God, you can't encounter the things of God that come when you get your finances in order, and so you're... Dealing with envy. How do you overcome envy? I'm gonna give you a simple phrase, ready? Admire without the need to acquire. Admire without the need to acquire. Let me elaborate on that. You see somebody that is your friend or a neighbor or family member and they get something really cool. When you get this right, you look at them and you say, yay God, look what God did for them. I think that's awesome. I'll rejoice with them. Whatever is going on, they were clearly able to be financially blessed or whatever with what they have. And so, yay, but I also don't need to have it just because they have it. Admire without the need to acquire. James 3.16 says, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. What evil things enter our lives when we mismanage financially because we're envious of what other people. Of course, think of all of it. Every evil is there. Confusion is there in the marriage, in the home, in my life. What am I gonna do? Every day feels confusing. That's what envy does. But Philippians four eleven, Paul says this. Not that I speak in regard to me. For I have, and I underline this, for I have learned. Remember Paul was saying earlier, That, you know what, uh, the the, the Spirit is doing a work in me. Uh, There's a work taking place to to learn how to live in my life. I have learned that in whatever state I am, here it is, ready? To be what? Content. With whatever position I'm in right now in my life, I'm thankful for it. Uh, They're thankful for what they have, and I'm thankful for what I have. Not lazy, contentment is not lazy. But thank you, God, for what you've blessed me with contentment. Here's the next one. I've got to get out of my selfishness. Selfishness says that um, it, it not only is it all mine, it, it, I'm not sharing it with anybody. Again, nobody would run around and say, I'm a selfish person. But by our actions, as Christians, we look, it would seem to be fairly selfish. God has called the Christians into something called open-handed living. Which means though I'm, I have this money, it's just passing through. And as a part of that passing through, I honor God so that the people of God gather together and reach the people who don't know Jesus. It's pretty simple. And a part of that is not being closed-fisted with our money, but open-handed. Right, being closed-fisted doesn't even feel right like if you were to take your hand just squeeze it squeeze it squeeze it squeeze it squeeze, it, squeeze, squeeze you know eventually it's going to hurt your muscles are going to get tired and then if you were to do it for like several minutes you're going to open up your hand and it's going to be really hard to do because it's like your joints and everything can be a little tired and i'll say this to go from closed handed living selfishness to unselfish open-handed living it's not easy but i'll also say this living in closed handed living is painful it's unhealthy it's not right Closed-handed living. It's mine. And I'm keeping it. And I'm not blessing anybody with it. It's all mine. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy 15, 11. God says, I command you, here it is, I command you to be what? Open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and the needy in your land. Open-handed. The antidote, the closed-fisted living, the antidote to that, to being more open-handed, is learning to be a giver. And I hope in this series, you will decide that you want to be a giver. I know when I start talking about this, you're afraid. I was there. You, you don't know how much of it. You don't know what I'm dealing with, Pastor. You don't understand. Plus, the economy looks really bad. Fearful, fearful, fearful. And who is the author of Fear. Satan, you're here today and you're a Christian and you're living in fear. You need to recognize that Satan is having his way with you. And you've got to be willing to get into a battle and say, I'm pushing past the fear and in a faith step, I'm going to trust that this is a better way to live my life. And you won't know it until you do it. And that's what faith is. You trust. It said that, man, there are people that are in need. The people in need in this community are people who are far from God. People that are hurting, people that are broken, people that are at the end of their life at this point, like thinking, I don't know if I can go on any longer. In fact, there's a guy in our church that because of our resources and because of our church, caring about our community, his life was radically transformed.
1: I want you to watch this video of Gabe. My name is Gabriel Rivera. So my story starts like many others, and it starts from a broken home. My mom started dating this guy at the time who uh, she thought was a decent guy, but he was not at all. From the ages of 14 to 17, I was abused emotionally beyond belief by him. I was 14 the first time I ever tried to kill myself. 2020 was my lowest year. Um, I was failing everything. I had just failed an entire semester of college, about to get fired from my job. Um, I was struggling to even get out of bed to stay motivated. I would literally just lay there and do nothing all day. And I remember one night of heavy drinking and sitting there thinking about how angry and bitter I was and how I felt empty and that there was no fixing me. And at that point, I decided one more time that I was going to end my life. And I even wrote out the note, <sighs> but it's funny how God works. See, at the time, I had just started working at my local Chick-fil-A, and I was working with this dude. I quickly realized this guy had four favorite topics to talk about. One was Jesus. Second was some girl named Sydney Baldus. Didn't know who that was. Third was New Walk Church. And fourth was the Dallas Mavericks uh, basketball team, I think. I'm not sure. Anyways, and that was Mr. Kurt Robbins, who is currently my best friend. And I remember... <clears throat> After we were about to clock out and the day was over, he looked at me and he said, so when are you gonna come to my church? I kid you not, for all of September and October, every time he saw me, he invited me to his church. It got to the point where I was actually getting mad at him. It was getting annoying. And I don't know what happened, but one day, I finally caved and said yes. Um, I remember walking into the building and looking at Kurt and I was like, I'm probably gonna catch on fire for what I've done. And he goes, just wait and see. I don't remember what Pastor Gary was talking about, even preaching about, but I do remember he stopped in the middle of his message and he looked at the crowd and he said, Maybe
0: you thought the roof would cave in when you came or the place would burn down because of some of the mistakes that you've made. You're living in some kind of way. Uh, You come from a different social economic background, different races here that come to our church. doesn't matter who you are because you matter to God. At New Walk Church, we want to create a culture where we honor you no matter what.
1: Later that day when I got back in my car, I sat there thinking about it and I was like, holy crap, I actually like church. And I said, all right, God, you win. Um, Let's see where this goes. And that's when things started to change completely. Um, I started coming here normally on weekends. Um, My second weekend, I actually came in the middle of a tithing series and it was talking about tithing. Growing up, we had nothing. We didn't have money. We struggled to have Christmas or birthdays or anything like that because my mother was working basically two jobs trying to take care of five kids. And so when I turned 14, I got my first job. I was like, my money's my money. No one's gonna have it, it's for what I want. And so when I was sitting in the sanctuary, listening to Pastor Gary talk about tithing, it kind of hit home. It was like, this is the first step I need to take. If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go all in. And so I signed up to tithe on my second week. So then they pitched Wild at Heart to me. And 2021, I went on the trip and it was completely life-changing. Later on that trip, I got baptized and became a new man. It was the best feeling in the entire world. And I started bringing my under-siblings to uh, youth and there. I watched them give their lives to Christ, I watched them begin to volunteer, and I watched them get baptized. Since coming to New Walk, my life has completely changed. I have met countless people who love me and care about me, and who are honestly family. Um, To people who do tithe, I'm extremely thankful for you guys for the influence you've had and the support you've given to the church. This place has completely changed my life. So great.
0: Think about, he's just trying to figure out what this is all about. He comes in his second week, he hears me talking about tithing, and he says, I'm going to do it. He's not even crossed really the line of of faith in Christ yet, really. He's just like, okay, it seems like that's what they do. (laughs) Kind of showing up the Christians there who have known this for a long time and don't do it. I love that story about a, a single guy just, trying to make it, job at Chick-fil-A and yet decides to step up. Did I say he was single? Okay, I just Anyways, (laughs) You know, this brings me to the last point is, this is about obedience. You're going to have to listen to God and say, okay, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to follow through. Decide to embrace obedience to God. And this is a fleeting thing amongst Christians. Not just being obedient in our finances and following God's plan, but in obedience, taking steps of obedience and a lot of things, this is a struggle for Christianity, right? People will say in Christianity, the shallow Christians, shallow Christians. Well, there's two versions of shallow Christianity. Let me tell you about them. There's one version of shallow Christianity where people say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but they don't read God's word. That's shallow Christianity. There's another version of shallow Christianity, and here's what it is. Ready? I like to go to church. I like to hear the pastor preach. I read the word. I study the word, but I don't do what the word says. Amen. That is also shallow Christianity. Amen. James 1, says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do. Do what it says. And so in this series, I'm going to be very blunt. I'm going to ask you, everybody that calls this church their home, every person, is he talking to me is pastor talking yeah i'm talking to you if this is your home to be taking steps of obedience Uh, maybe that step won't happen this week maybe it'll be next week maybe it'll be the following week but at some point in this series i'm going to ask you to be obedient in two areas that are critical for our church in the coming months and year on your seat there's a little card it looks like this and on the front are the two steps i'm asking you to take no confusion right here two steps some of you are gonna take one. Many of you, like we've already seen in the first few services this weekend, many are gonna do both. But I'm going to, you're gonna do one or both. And uh, the first one I wanna draw your attention to is something we do here at our church once every, I don't know, year, year and a half. We do something called the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. That's where, you know, a tithe is. I'm not gonna dig into this too much right now. But a tithe is, God says, a part of getting your finances in order Take the first and the very best, the first, 10%. That's what the word tithe means. It doesn't mean 5%. It doesn't mean 2%, 1%. It means 10%. That's what the word tithe means. Tithe of your first of your income, and it goes to the work of the church. I'm gonna challenge some of you to do that, just like Gabe did. And what we do in this is we say, set it up online, you have it taken out immediately, whatever it is, Do it for 90 days. And after 90 days, if you don't sense that God blessed you by taking care of you, that your fears subsided, that you still had food, you still had a roof over your head, you were taken care of, and you also didn't, if you saw also that maybe in that time that God revealed to you that your dollars made a difference in changing other people's lives like Gabe. Like if you, if you Go through it. You will see, if you do the tithe challenge, you will see that that happened. But if it doesn't happen, if that's not revealed to you, in 90 days, we'll give you your money back. We'll write you a check and say, here it is. Because God says in his word, if you will test him, he will show you that he is real in finances. So, I'm gonna challenge you. To do that, others of you, uh, the greatest gift offering is our Christmas offering. On the back is different levels of giving that you can give to that. You don't have to give right away. You can make a pledge, and then over the next seven, eight weeks, you can fulfill your pledge at whatever level God is revealing to you, and I ask you to pray about that. Say, okay, God, what are you revealing to me? And you'll take that, you'll make a commitment, a pledge to that as well. I'm asking you to take one or both of these steps over the next many weeks If you want to be a part of it and be obedient this way, you'll take this card, you'll walk out of the doors of the sanctuary, go down the hall on the right-hand side, there's this present gift area, and there's these tables and there's these boxes. You can drop this pledge card in the box, and um, we will begin to, to help you with some resources. We'll send you some information. If you take that step, we're going to invite you to be a part of a special worship night that's gonna take place uh, in December. We, if you make sure we got a good email address, we'll send you that uh, Christmas worship night a special invitation as well for being a part of that journey with us. Did you know at our church right now, when it comes to tithing, I just have to share this with you, only four or 5% of the people that call this church their home tithe here. You, you heard that right. Four or 5% are obedient that way. Another uh, statistics tell us another 40-50% uh, come in and they do they don't tithe but basically they tip. They just throw a little bit here and there where they can. That means beyond that another 40% to 50% come here and don't ever give nothing. How can we call ourselves believers? Stand before, and yet we're not honoring him this way to make a work done in our community that's so important for people like Gabe and others. So again, I'm going to ask you to, as a Christian to be obedient and respond. When you go to those tables out in the hallway, there'll be these little straps. They look like this, and uh, they'll have different colors or whatever. After you drop your card in the box, you can write the step that you took on one of these little straps. Now, you don't need to write dollars or anything like that. But if you took the tithe challenge, you'll write tithe challenge. If you took Christmas offering, greatest gift, you'll you'll write that. And we're gonna collect these every week and we're gonna start strapping them and connecting them together for all the steps that have been taken in this series. And at the end, you'll be able to see how many people are taking those steps. But here's something else you're gonna see. Christmas at New Walk Weekend, which is about six weeks away. Interesting thing will happen. For every one of these straps of steps that are taking place, in this series of people being obedient to God, almost everyone will correlate with somebody coming to know Jesus Christ at Christmas at New Walk. So if there are 500 steps taken in this series that we're doing, I'll be willing to bet that you'll see almost 500 people come to know Jesus Christ at Christmas at New Walk. Yeah, there'll be a direct correlation to the steps you took to seeing somebody's life changed. So I hope you'll be obedient in this series. Let's pray together. God, help us as Christians to see the importance of this. It's, it's not just the work of the church, though. It's, it's a heart situation that's left us messy. Debt, lack like of savings, paycheck to paycheck, mismanagement of funds, inability to even have retirement, to leave a legacy for our golden years, but also our, our children, that our grandchildren, children after that. God, you want things to be in right positioning, and I cannot wait to share helpers for these people who are believers, but God, we must see that there's an issue, and God, we want our hearts transformed. Help us in this series, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.